Good morning and thanks for joining us. Uh, we're in the middle of our In Between series and today we're gonna take a look at the story of Israel from a different perspective. Uh, my dad and I are actually gonna take some time and just kind of have a conversation about what's going on in their story and how it may relate to our current context. Uh, so we're just gonna dive right in. We got some cool things to discuss. You've been going through the story of, of Israel and what God has been doing within their uh, current situation, their moment in history where they, he's got Moses, he's taken Moses to this point of leading them into the wilderness. And, uh, you know, somewhat relatable to our current time in quarantine and, and some of the things that we're feeling. Um, and so last week you hit on a couple things. You want to just briefly uh, bring us up to speed on what we've been kind of talking about leading up to this moment. Yeah, so they've left Egypt. God has brought them through the Red Sea. He's dealt with the Egyptian army as they were trying to come and recapture them, take them back into slavery. God took care of all of that miraculously. And then he brings them to a place, there's worship, there's this big moment of just declaring God's greatness and how good he is to have done this. And the very next moment, last week we got into, three days later, they were running low on water and everything shut down. The people completely turned on Moses and essentially on God because of the challenge of the bitter water. So God led them to a place, it was an oasis called Mara, where they experienced the water was bitter so they couldn't drink it, but God was doing it to teach them that he is always ready to do something on our behalf when we trust and obey him. So that's where we left off. The people had gone bitter on Moses, but Moses had brought them to a place of actually taking God at his word, throwing the wood in the, in the water, and the water became sweet and the people were renourished. So that's where we left off. It's interesting to start to look at, we see God's faithfulness, his consistency from the beginning of the plagues and, and showcasing his glory, showcasing his heart for his people, brings them out, brings them through the Red Sea. And uh, this miraculous moment takes place. They watch as the entire army of Egypt, the Egyptian army gets, which is the superpower at that time. The most powerful army in the world. Gets completely demolished. <laughs> And they're on the other side. They sing this this worship song, and uh, and then a couple days later, they're already in this in this you know frustration, this place of frustration with the water uh, being bitter and them needing water. So we pick up in in 16 then in Exodus 16, and uh, I think it's interesting because when we pick up in the beginning, uh, second part of of verse one, it says they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There, would, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Then Moses said to, or then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need to for the day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So we, we, we move into this next section. They're in the wilderness now. And, and what, what is it that we begin to see as, as we're kind of stepping into their time in the wilderness with God and Moses and Aaron. The way God led them out, 
He led them out, not just as running and, you know, like fleeing felons, like they're, they're just in a run, mad panic. He literally re leads them out in victory. He lets them plunder Egypt, yeah. that people were giving them their wealth and riches, just saying, please leave. Not only that, when the armies of Egypt were swamped over, I read some scholars were saying that the wealth of the Egyptian army was often displayed on their horses and in their chariots. And as these things washed up on the shore, it was like it was like a stimulus check all over. They just more and more wealth was accumulated. They come into this moment where God has provided over and over and over again. And in the midst of one or two little moments of God's not instantly there at their beck and call, they panic. And they go to this crazy place of grumbling and complaining. Those two words are just so significant in the story of this Egyptian escape, of the in-between, grumbling and complaining. And I, I think that's really interesting because basically the scriptures teach us that the hearts of people are revealed by their difficulties. Mm. When we get to this moment, that's when we begin to see what people's hearts were really containing. That's what I see in this text. So the problem we're seeing is, is this pattern of complaining starts to, to show itself. It's, it started in 15, where you talked last week about them coming against Moses and Aaron. Uh, but we see that playing out um, with this moment as well, immediately. It's, it's three, four weeks later, they say, four weeks later, uh, a month, and they're, they're needing food. One of the commentaries, yeah, that I was looking at was actually saying that this was probably less about them not currently having food and more about them anticipating that they weren't going to have food. So it yes. wasn't even that it wasn't currently, it was already this, they were in this survival mode that they had nothing left and that God had just left them high and dry. But that most likely what was going on is they were already anticipating the fact that their rations were running low. What they had come out with uh, was, was, <laughs> diminishing and so now they're looking and saying but now we're going to die out here and this extreme response comes out mm. but the issue seems to be that israel they start to build a pattern of complaining so i think it's important to first define what complaining in is versus what it isn't um and taking a look at kind of what complaining uh, looks like uh and you kind of had a cool way of kind of distinguishing what complaining is yeah i was reading about one theologian it was he broke it into two categories he, there are two words that start with the letter g that represent what takes place in the human heart when we experience difficulty <clears throat> and both are significant but one leads to greater advancement in our character and development one leads to disintegration of our character the words are groaning and grumbling so when when it comes to groaning it's it's interesting that we find in the just before Moses is brought on the scene, it said in their slavery, after 400 years, the children of Israel groaned and cried out to God in their distress. Now groaning in scripture is actually encouraged. Um, I find that the whole story of Lamentations where the author talks about the experiences of pain and brokenness in this world that we all, we all connect with that. We all sense that yeah. Man, the soul just yearns for the world to be renewed and restored and things to be put right. And there's something in us that just longs for that. And so there's this groaning that things are not as they should be, that things are broken and the condition of things, um, it hurts. So the author of this particular text I was reading was saying, groaning is what we do to God. 
that's when we take our pain and our, and the psalmist was great about this. David over and over says, I groan in the middle of the night. My soul cries out to you. I pour out my lament before you. My heart yearns yeah. for you. And that's what groaning looks like. On the other hand, we have this idea of grumbling. Grumbling is what we do about God. It's how we talk about God. It's where we take our frustrations and we kind of explode or we let them out or we kind of leak them. It's a little bit like acid that just kind of spills out on others and it corrodes and it destroys and it corrupts an environment. And in this moment, we find them, the groaning where we crowd to God from our brokenness and pain and there's a sense in which we just want God to help and rescue. That is good and scripture shows us that that is acceptable to God. But the grumbling is actually offensive to God. It actually brings about a greater distrust in him and a disobedience to him. I love how some of them just, man, one of our responses, if, if, we're going to have, if we're going to have a world where we no longer complain, we have two choices. Basically, we can change our external world so that everything lines up and works the way we want it to. Right. Which is basically, if you have a rough marriage, then you've got to fix your marriage. Your husband or wife has got to be better than they are. Your kids have got to start obeying and, and being good. And your boss has got to kind of line up. The freeways have got to clear out. Or whatever brings you that moment of complaining has got to go away. You can fix your external world, which we can't. Right. Or we can address our internal world. And that's where these two issues come to play groaning is when we address our internal world to God and we build that connection. Grumbling is where we take our offensive frustrations or, and we declare them about God or about others. And that is, again, very discouraging to others as well as dishonoring to God. Yeah, I think what's interesting about that too is you see a couple things taking place um, one, I love that you talked about this, you try to fix the external world in order to, with your, your grumbling, uh, and what you're really expecting is perfection. Exactly. And, and I think this side of eternity, yes. we want, we have the expectations of eternity while on this side right. of, of, you know, in a sinful, broken world, and we want God, so it, it's, an, it's an impossible situation right. because no matter what God fixes, no matter what God heals, until Jesus comes and restores all things, mm -hmm. it will never be perfect, which means there exactly. will, we will never be perfect. And so even for all of our circumstances to suddenly work out and our spouse to be perfect, our, our work situations to be perfect, everything to, to start to line up, we would still be imperfect, which would then destroy everything about what makes it perfect in the first, we would have to leave and remove ourselves entirely from exactly. it, which I think is interesting. Cause it's, so it's not about it being perfect in, in uh, it's the fullness of its essence. It's about it being perfect for us, which exactly. is really based in selfishness. And that's it. It's all selfishness. Grumbling is a selfish response because it's all about me. I want, I need, my feelings, my situation. And it's easy for us to go from just kind of airing our frustrations to somebody we love, to venting, to becoming, that's our go-to place. Mm. And that's the danger of grumbling. It becomes our go-to. Yeah, I think the other thing that sticks out to me about this um, and what you were saying uh, is I, I think it's fascinating um, God's response. That, that even though there's this frustration that these people have, and it's now becoming a pattern quickly because it happened in 15, God instantly provides for them water, and now it's already beginning again, and God, and it shows us, we see in, in, in 16, uh, that God actually starts to just 
meet their needs, that he, he doesn't get offended that when scripture talks about He's how God so is patient. slow to be angry, yes. that he's, you know, abounding ab in mercy. Yeah, that that showcases itself so, so uh, true here. Yes. This You see that so evident in God's heart for us yeah. here. And yet the complaining is, is this, this, it becomes a mindset. It becomes yes. this, this important way of, of us noticing and recognizing because we start to see the world through these lenses right which is where it becomes problematic. Yes, and it's assigning evil or bad to God. It's, it's assuming the worst about something rather than understanding that this is a broken world, it is a broken situation, it's in the process of being renewed. It's basically declaring what we really think about God, which is very little. That's what reveals so much, is that it shows what we really think about God's provision for us. And in my research, I was reading that it was, it, the word in the, in the Hebrew was actually, it refers to, uh, it said grumbling, murmuring, yes. or even that, that kind of like speaking under your breath. That's what you think of murmuring, like my murmur. Yeah, murmuring, that, that, yeah, it's that, that uh, expressing and showing dissatisfaction, yes. which I think is interesting when it comes to how we relate to God. And in this current context, um, you know, how we see that maybe playing out during this quarantine and today, how do you kind of see that bridging the context to where we are currently? A lot of this story seems to relate to what's currently mm -hmm. going on as we kind of experience a wilderness situation within the so church. Um, yes. So what does that look like for you? Oh man, just this past week, um, <laughs> because we're more home, um, folks who don't know, we, we have a fairly large family. And so since we are gathering back at home, kind of that's home base and everybody's kind of doing the, the stay at home orders. So we're going through water and we live in a property that has a well and the water is horrible. You wouldn't want to drink it. It's got minerals and other things in it that um, we, so we buy bottled water. And so with everybody home, we're going through jug after jug. We have six of these big five gallon jugs and every day I'm walking in and changing the jug. I'm like, does nobody else see that we're out of water and everybody's drinking and everybody's using it and everybody's, and so I'm, I'm walking in and I just walked into the, the counter this week and I am taking it off the little pedestal and as I'm doing it, I'm like, why doesn't anybody else ever pay any attention and why am I the one that's always changing the water and mom happens to be right next to me and she just sweetly says stop complaining and instantly I'm like I'm not complaining I'm stating a reality and we always have a way of defending or actually taking off the guilt of that and the responsibility for it no 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 I'm just voicing a fact I'm just declaring the truth I'm just you know letting people know but actually I wasn't I was just letting my frustrations out in a way that could generally be heard rather than being direct and honest about my frustration, saying, hey guys, when you see the water's low, change it. Grumbling and complaining when we're all kind of condensed in, in pressured situations, like we're all living together, somebody's not doing the dishes, somebody's not cleaning up after themselves, we have these things. Those moments, it just kind of it just reminds me how easy it is to go to that negative place. I'm having one of the greatest experiences of my life. I get to be with the people I love the most and I get to be in rooms where we can laugh and joy and celebrate and talk and dream. And yet I can go to the negative place and emphasize that rather than just take advantage of the opportunity to really see the good. That's what happens in moments like this with my heart sometimes. And you see this all over social media and all these places. It seems like, and I think a lot of times when it comes to the story of Israel and Moses, people get defensive because it, it feels like something, mm. I think it's easy to, to relate to 
the story of Israel and be like, but they didn't have food and God wasn't providing and there's these issues. And I think it's easy for us to, to start to recognize that it's, it's hitting hmm. uh, a personal chord in us where we're, we're starting to see that Complaining is a natural. Yeah. It, it oh, seems I have to be, a right to say these things. Yes. Yeah. God isn't coming through. And and I think like you, it's it's quick and easy for us to respond in a way that says I like I have the right to speak truth. I'm just I'm just saying the facts. I'm just saying I what say it, it is. Like it is. I'm just saying like it is. Um, and the frustration with maybe you know people in different situations right now struggling financially, struggling with their health, struggling relationally because. Everything is, I, I think like you said, you know, the heat has been turned up as yeah. you're in this isolation period. And as, as a lot of things have gotten stripped back, yes. life as, as, as normal for us has really kind of evaporated and we're in this yes. new state of normal for the time being. And yet you're seeing this, this draw towards complaining right and I see that too I, I find that it's interesting because mine doesn't doesn't feel as uh, didn't feel as direct but this week I was uh, you know I was having a conversation and sarcastically kind of just made the joke you know I, I'd asked God to to really make sure that this season wasn't wasted mm. that that this quarantine I came out of this a better version of myself that I, I wasted no time in allowing him to mold this season to make the best out of it and to to get the the dirt out to really you know yes. to to mold it and and to make me a better version of myself through it and and yet i made this joke that you know of course god's quick to answer that prayer and seems to have led left me on red you know my text messages on red on all these others that i'd been praying about and then this this one this one moment of saying god we need here if you want to do some work he's quick to respond you know and i'm like of course he is of course in this situation where we get to do work and it's going to be hard and difficult and uncomfortable mm -hmm. but i i found myself yesterday driving and i was just listening to worship and i felt god just kind of bring that back to mind and i felt like i had to apologize for that because publicly in conversation it's still a form of complaining through sarcasm. Yes. It's yes. using this like, this expressing my dissatisfaction with the way God is doing things as if, and the implication is, he's not doing a good job or he's not yes. doing it in a way that is that I agree with. And that's a slippery slope. Yes, yes, it is. Because there's so much that takes place that we don't even understand um, that complaining is actually bad for you is reading this past week of the brain science, what takes place in the mind. And it's kind of like your mind has these channels or it, it could be like conduit. Some people type, like to liken it to a freeway where your brain literally is like a path that's first a walking path and then the more you travel on it, the stronger it gets and the broader it gets and it becomes like a freeway. So your neural pathways, the way you process information creates these pathways. So when you go negative, you're like creating a path. When you come back and think another negative thought, you put you kind of double down on that. And within no time, your brain is wiring itself to respond naturally to negative experiences in that way. So if you go to complaining when you have a bad situation, you create the path. When you go back to it, it's getting deeper. And it literally becomes like a rut that that is your go-to response. Anytime you have a certain experience that's unpleasant or difficult, you just start going to complaining. That is now your new neural pathway. That's the way you think. It rewires our brains. So it's so critical that we think about this before we do it, that we literally put a barrier up in that rut so we don't get back in it and say, I'm taking a new route. It literally has to be a decision we make to right. change lanes. Yeah, I think uh, 
it's so important to talk about because you start to realize that it becomes a, a subconscious habit that it's not just something that uh yes that you know is a choice or we always feel like is even a choice i think your story yes. is so interesting because of the fact that you know it's quick to be like i'm not being negative i'm not i wasn't complaining like mm -hmm. and i think that's so natural for all of us to you know yes. i think we can i think i can relate to that specifically i can't speak for everybody but the idea that when you start to build that as a normal way of communicating, as a normal way of thinking, we default to that so quickly. Yes. And the scary yes. thing about that also is that our words hold power and, it, and what we speak right. about and what we speak out begins to inform what we think about and how we, uh, what we perceive, what we, what we place our focus on. Absolutely. And then from there, what we place our focus on creates those neural pathways, these deep freeways of negative thinking. Yes. And it starts to color our view of God. Yes, absolutely. We begin to see God through that lens. That is our default. We see and think about God in that way. It's so important to realize the damage that we're doing to our brain just by going negative. One researcher was talking about the way that when we go negative and when we declare those, speak those negativities, we literally are doing damage to our brain. Stress hormones released in negativity are doing damage to our hippocampus and so that is a place where we process and reason and so I was reading this week that one of the dangers is when we go negative we are actually doing damage to our brain and we begin to shrink that area of our mind of our brain that is responsible for some very rational and important thought processes when we go thinking that way about God declaring those words out loud we're reinforcing that I found it very interesting as well. They did a, a bit of research where one university took people and placed them in a room across from a partner that they did not know and did not speak to. The people who had registered as, you know, before the survey that had registered, they were depressed or in a very negative space. When they sat across from a person, Every person who sat across from them left registered they felt more negative than when they entered without speaking a word. Interesting. I find that that is, you don't even realize that your negativity doesn't just pollute your mind. It literally pollutes the space around you. And that's what I find in the text, that the people are not only just starting to grumble, but then the grumbling spreads. And immediately, we are not content with the way the government's handling this. We're not content with the way this person's doing. We're not content or we're upset about. It. And I get it. We all have our frustrations. But right. it's what we do with those that matter. And how we handle that can either build or destroy the kind of environment God's created in our world. I think complaining exactly what you're saying, <clears throat> even in reference to what you talked about last week, it's dangerous too because it puts us in this position of pride that we mm. somehow know better than God, that we somehow know better if, when it's in, in regards to authority, yes. that we somehow, Absolutely. you know, you can critique the president or, or government officials or pastors in this mm. season. And in, instantly when you do that, you, the assumption is that you somehow know better. And if we're in that position, we do better. And yes. that's a dangerous place to be in because to assume that we know better than God mm. is to place us higher than him and that I think is becomes very problematic thinking for those of us trying to serve and seek and follow God because I think the other parts of of complaining that it exposes is the ugliness in our hearts which is entitlement it's it that very you know true. we somehow we're dissatisfied with what God has currently right. given us we don't believe and I think it's in even more interesting with this specific chapter because God is providing food and is laying out 
for the, for the season in the wilderness to come, how he wants to provide for them daily. He wants to be meat their provider. And bread. Yes. That and they water. complained about having bread and then having meat. So he goes on to say that, it, you know, he heard their complaints. He heard their complaints. He heard your complaints. And, and God is so patient. And he, and he meets that. He actually, uh, you know, he just offers what they're asking for, even though they're not going about it the right way, offers them bread from heaven, you know, every day. Amazing. And then offers them meat through quail every evening Mm -hmm. and then still provides enough for them to have a Sabbath to practice rest and and drawing back Mm. and trusting him with their the fullness of their week with all the things that they need to take care of, with food, their most basic needs, which seems so applicable to our our daily life right now yes. when we want and we feel we have the right to complain financially about our finances. We we want, we feel like we have the right to complain about our isolation or, or our, yes. you know, our, our emotional needs. We right. And this becomes this really dangerous road that we walk down because mm-hmm. what we aren't necessarily intending to say, but what we are saying is, God, you're not doing this exactly. right. You are not taking care of me properly. You are not meeting my needs. I I just think that it's so interesting that as we look at the story that God is literally teaching his people how to live in a new way. He's introducing them to life in his kingdom, in the realm of God, what it would be like if God lived among us because he did. He literally tabernacled, dwelt in in their midst and what it would be like if we would just trust him. He was leading them to a new way of thinking about him, his provision, his care. And that's where we're at right now. God is taking us on a journey. This in-between, between the time we step into relationship through faith in Jesus and the time he takes us away or brings the renewal to our world, that in-between is where he's teaching us a new way to think about God, a new way to respond to situations, a new way to be human. And I think that is what they missed. And this is where I pray we don't miss it. This is our moment. This is our opportunity to look at the circumstances as training tools. Every every trial is a tool Mm -hmm. in the hand of God to shape us for his new life in the kingdom. And I think that's one of the things they were missing. One of the things I'm praying we don't miss. We were talking about this last night. And I felt like God just kind of put on my heart the image of what it must be like as a parent. when you have kids, and, and I feel like most parents really do the very best that they possibly can of course, for yes. their kids. Um, but what, what you see is, is this process with an entitled child where mm. a parent may hear the complaints um, of this kid uh, to either themselves or to their friends, and maybe they overhear this, this dissatisfaction with the way things are going and how heartbreaking that must be and and all the Absolutely. and how it dismisses all the effort all the ways in which you show up and and re- <clears throat> immediately removes all the things and the ways that the parent and I'm sure you've experienced with us but uh, you know that a lot of parents probably feel at points is just you don't see any of the things that we've that we've done well that we fought for that we've tried so hard all the ways that we sacrificed all the ways that we gave and yet it's easy for you to to see the very few things these other things that where we're mm. not we didn't we came up short or we in your opinion it didn't work out the way you wanted to and how devastating that must be how discouraging how frustrating and i wonder if god doesn't feel and obviously he is 
bigger than us and infinite and completely other than us, but I can't help but wonder if he doesn't allow us to experience human relationship to reveal to us ways and able to relate to how he must feel towards us in relationship at times when we, he hears us just consistently dissatisfied, complaining either to him or to each other about him and about our current circumstances. Well, the Bible is interesting. It describes God as a person who has obviously responses to, and you can call those feelings, you can call those thoughts, whatever. Um, We we obviously have to humanize them to understand him, but he obviously has a response to our behaviors. Like a parent, you mentioned that, that we can go all our lives, you know, I could change 10,000 diapers and I could wipe up, you know, 10,000 snotty noses and clean up and be there and be at every single baseball game and every single thing that you guys do and celebrate your victories and, and weep with you in your defeats. But if I send you to your room or correct you over something when you were smaller, when, right. if I have to ask you know, you to do something you don't like, then immediately I'm the worst parent in the world. Or you didn't give us every gift that we asked for. We, we somehow fall out of favor. We're no longer great parents. And how heartbreaking that is to know that you have no idea the love I've poured into you, the investment I've right. made in you. And that must be God's heart. I sense that you're absolutely right. For us to respond in criticism and grumbling and complaining, it must be a heartbreaker for God, just like it is for any parent who sees their child not appreciate the beautiful bounty they provide for them and the doing their best, this is a heartbreaker. So where can we start, in your opinion, in taking steps away from this natural mindset, this natural approach to to speaking out our complaints and beginning to take steps into to trust and and maybe still vocalizing like you said i love that you brought up lamentations mm. and and how it is not that god's not asking for our honesty he's not it's not that he's not wanting us to verbalize right. our needs and our yes. wants and our desires it's just how we communicate that yes. expresses the posture of our hearts exactly. so what are some steps that we can offer today ways we can uh take steps into communicating maybe, but in a way that is also, uh, that showcases God's position of honor in our lives. One of the first steps I would suggest is in the text, we're encouraged by Moses's response. And so what we learn is that go to and talk to, not about. Mm. Talk to, not about. Grumbling is that talking about where groaning is talking to. And it goes right through Jesus and his teaching of how to live in the new kingdom, that we confront the person, we go to them with the issue, not to anyone else. I think this is so important that we literally learn how to go to God, talk to God about our frustrations, talk to one another. So for me, it would have been saying to mom or to you guys as we're all together, hey guys, I need a little help with the water jugs. I'm, you know, I'm just like, I can't take that on all the time. Um, I need a little help with the dishes or whatever. It's talking to, and I know that puts us in an awkward place. We gotta arrange the conversation and it's and it's just, most of us don't like confrontation. So, but this is the way of the world in right. the new kingdom. We must be loving enough to talk to, not about. You had a couple as well. Yeah, I think um, I've talked about this before, but I feel like God has taught me directly that to combat this this desire to complain, this natural, uh, you know, kind of default to complaining is is to really practice gratitude. Mm, um, that's I, I've so heard powerful. recently um, 
we, we had talked about it in our Wednesday night group, how you know it may be important in this time to start a gratitude journal. And journaling is really Beautiful. all about uh, you know, vocalizing your frustrations and what's going on in your life and just kind of recapping it. But putting a, a journal aside just for writing out and hoping to create the neural pathways yes. that focus your mind specifically on maybe what went well that day, what you celebrate about each day or each week. You go back, you reflect, and you write out the things you're grateful for, the, the places that you experience gratitude for, the simple moments, yes. you know, of, of a dinner around a table or a beautiful sunset or, or just being able to sit in silence and, and embrace what this quarantine is also able to offer, which is a stillness, a slowness yes, to life. Um, I love it. And so this gratitude journal or, or taking steps towards actively writing out what we're grateful for, who we're grateful for, um, is really important. The other one, I think it, that scripture talks a lot about encouragement. And you've often said, you know, to encourage is to place courage in people. Yes. And so encouraging others I think is also a natural way that we, especially those who maybe we want to complain about, yes. that we call fight out the good. to call out the good, yes. to verbalize yes. some of those things about Powerful. them when we want to speak out negative in our frustrations first, that we affirm who they are yes. and the things that they do well first. And then it helps to, I think, frame our thinking when we have a complaint or an issue with them, which isn't wrong. Right. Right, but exactly. to be able to, to vocalize those things. I think that kind of leads me to my final one, which is that one church I, I was reading about did this crazy thing where they, they say you can't address a problem that you don't identify, that you don't acknowledge. Mm. So we need to acknowledge that we are by nature kind of capable of negativity or yeah. even we tend towards it, we, we kind of go there. So to identify when we're going negative, and that means we have to become more self-aware. We can either ask friends or family members, loved ones, tell me when I'm going negative, tell me when I'm complaining, tell me when this is happening so I can identify it. And then rather than get defensive, that we address it. And one of the ways that this uh, church did is they had everyone wear a purple bracelet um, on their left wrist. And every time they complained, they had to take it off and move it to their right. And they were supposed to be able to go nine days with it all re always remaining. On, and if when they could get to nine days, they, then they made it to 21 days. When you can do a habit 21 days in a row, it becomes the neural pathways are anchored now and you have a new way of re responding. So it's literally till we can get to 21 days without complaining or going negative. Um, that was one way. So I'm thinking maybe I'll change my ring to the other finger when I go negative, or maybe I'm gonna have uh, some system by which I take my phone out of the one pocket, I always keep it in, move it to another. I'm going to address this by putting a marker there to tell me when I've gone astray and correct it by a new pattern. Mm -hmm. And then to really just trust God. And as we, as we close, I, I think that's where we just end, right where they did. It's always about learning to trust God that he is good and he's caring and he's loving and he's working on our behalf. And we have to learn to move into that place of trust and obedience. Yeah. As we close, I wanna just read the verse in Philippians 2, 14, 15. We've all heard it a million times, but it just says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything, everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Love how it talks about how by not complaining, we become we, a light. We become a light. We're so different, we stand out. Yeah, that that is important in, in standing apart 
from the way the rest of the world is handling this. And I think in this quarantine, this is a significant place to practice displaying how we are different yes. than culture, how we are different than the way that the rest of the world is handling this and yes. dealing with this. Powerful. And to summarize, to close, um, we're inviting you guys to just to take a moment and to reflect. Mm. Maybe something you wanna do is, is invite somebody you trust into this conversation and ask them if you have a tendency to complain, to recognize, to ask God to, uh, to highlight for you the areas where you maybe tend to complain about your circumstances or the world around you and, and to allow yourself to submit to trusting God again, starting with simple things, but moving back into some of the, you know, the bigger things that you're facing, the difficulties. To, to summarize, what we are not saying is to not be honest. We're not saying to avoid uh, speaking candidly with God, but I love that you kind of approached it by talking about David and, and some of the lamentations and some of these things that groaning and expressing, there is injustice in this world. There are things that are going wrong. There are things that are mm. deeply painful yes. to watch, to hear, yes. to see. And it is not wrong to have issues with our Or current, to dialogue or right. to wrestle with those. Yes, to have this conversation with people in the world around mm. us. But what is problematic is when it turns into uh, this this complaining, this yes. speaking under our breath, this dissatisfaction murmuring, and murmuring, grumbling. grumbling. Yeah, this this is what we're combating. This yes. is what we're choosing to fight yes. against, to become the people of God. Yes. And in so many ways, what we see in the Israelite nation as God is setting them apart for to be his kingdom people, he is doing the same constantly in the church today, he is creating a kingdom culture within his bride, Absolutely. and we are invited to be a part of that. He is setting us apart, and that mm -hmm. he's inviting us to do things differently. Powerful. And so today, we're just gonna invite you to pray. Maybe if you feel like this is an area for you that just, uh, we're not calling you out because it is something each of us have also admitted we're, we're dealing with, we're struggling with, we're recognizing within ourselves. Um, but I just wanna pray with you. I wanna, I wanna take a moment and just pray uh, that God would kind of lead us as we continue this process of doing uh, this, this social distancing and this quarantine well, that no matter where you stand on, whether you feel like uh, this is all fake or you feel like this is all just, you know, politics or whatever, or whether you are terrified and, and, and afraid of catching it or, or somebody you love dying, seeing that you're losing your job, that the world will never be the same, afraid of the future, we all can agree that it is easy to begin with complaining, that mm. this is an easy step to take towards moving so more and more into a heart posture that is positive and that is in alignment with who God is and the people that he wants us to be. So let's just pray real quick. Father, we just invite you into this moment. God, I pray that uh, you would just help us to allow uh, your finger to point out in our lives and our hearts to highlight where this may be true of our current circumstances, where we may fall into this trap of complaining, where we may find ourselves uh, quick to want to, uh, to go to you or to other people with our dissatisfaction. Father, I pray that we would just find ourselves able to, to look to you, to own the fact that we recognize you are also constantly providing. Yeah. that you are constantly taking care of needs, that you are also active and at work mm -hmm. in your church, in our, in our individual lives, in our families. 
God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see your activity. Yes. Pray that you would just uh, move in your church, the Big C Church, as much as in our church, in Journey Church, yes. that we would be a people that, uh, that folks are drawn to because mm-hmm. we speak life into the current circumstance, that we speak life and hope into yes. the world around us rather than speaking death, rather than, than living in this state of negativity and complaining, Father, that you would be glorified through our speech. Yes. For those who find themselves just overwhelmed and anxious, God, we just pray that you would bring peace to their spirit, to their hearts, that you would lead them to conversations Mm -hmm. with people, to scripture, um, to to worship songs, God, to just the tools that you provided to bring a sense of your kingdom into their hearts, to bring your control, your authority back over their lives, that we would be able to trust you to see that you are good and that you are providing for us, just as you did for Israel. Mm. Lead us and guide us as we continue in this season. In your name we pray, amen. We thank you so much for joining us. We're gonna have one final song, but we look forward to seeing you guys next week as we continue our In Between series. We'll see you next time. Shame is a prison cruel as a grave shame is a robber and he's come to take my name oh love is my redeemer lifting me up from the ground love is the power where my freedom song is found there ain't no grave gonna hold my body There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down When I hear that trumpet sound Gonna rise up out of the ground There ain't no
Hold this body down 